all signs pointed to murder. But in the four years since Danielle's dislicky was last seen, her body has never been found, and the prime suspect isn't giving anything up. However, her family and the many local police departments involved have remained committed to seeking justice and finding answers. It seems now in 2021, they might just get that. Born in February of 1988 in Redford, Michigan, Danielle was the first child of Anne and Richard's Dislicky, and they couldn't have been more overjoyed. Danielle, or Danny as she was more often called by friends and family, was a warm and outgoing person who always was first to lend a hand. Danny was definitely a people person and her Facebook page was full of pictures and videos of her laughing with friends and family, dancing at a wedding, hanging out with her sisters, or hugging her adorable black cat. One video even shows casually attempting and ultimately failing at a handstand. No matter what picture or video you see, Danny is laughing, smiling, and full of life and joy. By 28, Danny had a stable job working for MetLife, which is an insurance company where she was a global technology and operations associate. She enjoyed her job training others and was saving up to buy a home. Danny's mother, Anne, also worked at MetLife, and the pair often ate lunch together. Her friends say she didn't have a bad bone in her body, and she was kind to everyone. Unfortunately, it is her friendly demeanor that some think led to her disappearance. On December 2nd, 2016, Danny went to MetLife for work, just like any other day. She worked at the Southfield office on Telegraph Road, less than 15 minutes away from her apartment in Farmington Hills. It was a Friday, and she was able to get off just a bit earlier than usual, at around 5 p.m. Daniel had plans to meet up with her friend, Sarah Pollock, for dinner that night. Sarah and Danny had been best friends for over 20 years, having met when they were in elementary school. Not a day went by where they didn't see each other, or at least texted or chatted over the phone. As she was heading out of work that night, Danny texted Sarah to say she was going to swing home real quick and pack a bag for the night. Sarah was having a tough day at work and Danny was going to spend the night. She said she planned to be at Sarah's house within the hour. An hour passed, but Danielle wasn't there. It wasn't like her to be late or not show up, especially without texting first. Sarah, slightly concerned, kept texting to see what was holding her up, but she wasn't getting any response back. Sarah thought that maybe Danny, exhausted from a long day at work, had fallen asleep when she got home. When she didn't hear anything back for the rest of the night, Sarah decided to drive to Danny's apartment to check on her friend. Danny's Jeep was parked out front like normal, but she wasn't answering the door or her phone. She threw pebbles at the window to try to get Sarah's attention or wake her up if she was inside, but still, there was no response. Starting to panic, Sarah texted Danny's sister to have their mom, Anne, call her right away. After sharing she couldn't get a hold of her, the Stislicky family knew something was wrong. It wasn't like Danny to just disappear like this and not reach out to anyone. Anne and Richard, Danny's parents, decided to drive out to Danny's apartment and use their spare key to come inside. No one was home. Danny's cat was inside, but it was clear that she hadn't been fed. 
Food was still untouched in the refrigerator. Her clothes and toiletries were all in place. Everything looked normal, except they couldn't find Danny's keys. Danny's black 2015 Jeep Renegade was parked out front, just a few feet from the door to her apartment building. Looking through her car window, Anne and Richard could see their daughter's purse sitting inside, but without Danny's keys, they couldn't get in. Anne called AAA to unlock the car, which they easily did. Inside Danny's purse was her wallet with all of her money, credit cards, and IDs still in there. The only things missing were Danny's keys, which had a distinctive yellow and green smiley face charm on them, and Danny's cell phone. There was no sign of a struggle, but knowing their daughter would never just leave without telling anyone, especially without her wallet, Anne and Richard knew something horrible had happened and reached out to the police to file a missing persons report. Taking the report seriously right away, police announced that Danielle Stislicki was missing and to be on the lookout for a 5 foot 5 inch tall white female weighing about 120 pounds. She was last seen at work wearing blue jeans, a black zip-up shirt, a blue Eddie Bauer coat, and burgundy boots. Danny also had a nose ring and a few distinctive tattoos. She had a koi fish on her hip, a constellation on her shoulder, a phoenix on the side of her back, and candy, peanuts, and popcorn on her right foot. You wouldn't know it by looking at her, but she also had a titanium rod implanted after breaking one of her legs. By December 4th, and less than 48 hours since she was last seen, a search party had been formed, and all efforts were underway to find Danny as soon as possible. Her family, friends, police, and the canine unit canvassed the area around the Independence Green apartment complex where Danny lived, and the nearby wooded area and walking trails. They searched throughout the day, but there was no signs of Danielle. On December 7th, the chief of police in Farmington Hills, Chuck Nebis, and Danny's parents gathered for a press conference. Chuck Nebis shared that in addition to the Farming Hills Police Department, 12 other local and national organizations were involved in the search for Danny, including the DEA and FBI. They had ruled out the possibility that Danny had run away or was having mental crisis based on interviewing friends and family. Nebis wouldn't comment on any more of the specifics of the case, if there were any main suspects, or if they believed Danny was alive or dead. But the police were asking the public for information on four key things. First, they wanted to know if anyone had seen Danny leave the MetLife building where she worked between the hours of 4.30 and 5.30 on Friday, December 2nd. Second, they wanted to know if anyone had seen Danny or her black Jeep arrive at her apartment complex between 5 p.m. on the 2nd up through 6 p.m. the following day. And third, they wanted to know if anyone had seen Danny at all, anywhere else or with anyone else from when she left work at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. when her Jeep was found parked in its unusual parking spot at her apartment. And finally, they wanted to know if anyone had seen or had information on where Daniel's key charm or Samsung Galaxy cell phone in a rose-colored case were. Answers to any of these questions would help investigators better understand Danny's movements after her final text message to Sarah. And the questions they were all wondering were, 
Did she ever even make it out of work? Did she drive her Jeep home herself? Was she alone? Did someone else drive her Jeep home from the MetLife parking lot to cover their tracks? There were so many questions still unanswered. Anne, who is Danny's mom, also pleaded for any information the public could give during the first press conference. The weekend before Danny went missing, she went home to visit her parents and Anne thought that this might make it stand out more in someone's mind. Maybe someone happened to see a muddy Jeep somewhere. She asked for everyone to look and think back to Friday when you were driving home. Were you anywhere in the vicinity of MetLife or Danny's apartment complex? Did you happen to see this somewhat dirty vehicle who was driving? Anne asked that whoever was listening try and spread the word about Danny to tell their family, their co-workers, anyone so that the Stislicky family could have Danny home again. A GoFundMe page was started to help raise money for a reward for anyone who came forward with valuable information. At the point of the press conference, less than a week after Danny was last seen, over $21,000 had been raised. Independence Green Apartments, where Danny lived, was offering up an additional $50,000 for information that would lead to an arrest. MetLife offered up $50,000 making the total reward $121,000. After the press conference, days went by with no information and this dislikey family began to clean out Danny's apartment, uncertain that their daughter would come home. While there, they found a handwritten note that a friend later shared that looks like it came with some flowers. Danny had arrived at work one day a few months back to find the flowers on her desk with a note that read, From Secret Admirer, Hope This Made You Smile Today. According to Anne, her daughter wasn't quite so excited about having an anonymous person send her flowers at work. She was concerned and honestly a little creeped out, which I think any of us would be, especially whenever you don't know who sent these flowers. Whoever it was knew that she worked at MetLife. By December 19th, 2016, 17 days after anyone has last seen Danny, the police officially announced that they believed she was officially a victim of a crime and that through reports from witnesses, they had a suspect in mind, Floyd Russell Galloway Jr., in 2016, Floyd Russell Galloway Jr. was only a year older than Danielle Stislicki. Like her, he was born and raised in Michigan. He was quiet growing up, keeping his head down, and never seeming to cause any problems. By the time he was in high school, he spent most of his time playing on his school's basketball and football teams. Floyd Galloway eventually went on to become a security guard, and in 2016, he was working at the MetLife building where Danielle worked. Anne Stislicki, who also worked at the Southfield MetLife with her daughter, knew Floyd and said that he would often work at night for those who worked late. He would watch you walk to your car to make sure that you got there okay. To Anne, Floyd was always kind and professional, but Anne said that he had taken special interest in her daughter. He would often leave his post to talk with Danny. Being outgoing and sociable, Danny would chat with him a bit, but made it clear that she was not interested in him romantically. Outside of their casual, brief conversations, Danny never mentioned him. 
Sarah, Danny's best friend, knew all about her dating life and was sure there was nothing going on between Floyd and Danny. Floyd Galloway was also a married man. In late 2016, his wife, Eileen, had been hospitalized with leukemia and was undergoing treatment. Apparently, this didn't stop him from trying to flirt with Danny. In the few months leading up to Danny's disappearance, Floyd had been let go from his job at MetLife. The building had filed for bankruptcy and could no longer afford to keep their security services. Floyd then took a job in Rochester Hills, a town a bit further away from his home in Berkeley. On December 2nd, the day Danny was last seen, Floyd Galloway called off from work, telling his boss that he had a doctor's appointment. But around 5.30 p.m. that day, two of Danielle's co-workers reported that they saw Floyd Galloway in the parking lot of the Southfield MetLife office. One of Danielle's co-workers shared that she had left the building with Danny the night she disappeared, and they saw a man in a suit looking at his car in the parking lot. The hood of the Buick was up, and the man seemed to be having car troubles. This co-worker recognized him as the former security guard, Floyd Galloway. Danielle said goodbye to her co-worker and went up to talk to Floyd, presumably to see if she could help. Hey guys, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't have the time or energy to cook, especially something healthy. And honestly, I don't feel great when I end up eating takeout for almost every meal. This all changed once I found Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers delicious food all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. It takes literally minutes to prepare and I never have to think twice if the food I'm eating is good for me. Daily Harvest is ready when you are. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it. So you waste less food too. No need to overthink any of your meals for the week with Daily Harvest. Smoothies for breakfast, crisp flatbreads for lunch or dinner, and food that is perfect for cooler weather, like their perfectly roasted harvest bowls and soups. Daily Harvest never uses preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything, including their recently launched almond milk, which is made of only almonds and a dash of sea salt. That's it. This is super convenient because I'm always stocked up whenever I need almond milk for my smoothies. Daily Harvest is also committed to minimizing their environmental impact. They're in the process of transitioning to 100% compostable, recyclable, plant-based, and renewable fiber packaging. Get started today. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code CRIMESALAD to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code CRIMESALAD for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. dailyharvest.com. You see CBD everywhere, in grocery stores, in gas stations, in health stores, but how do you know you're actually getting a good, high-quality product? Using CBD regularly is known to help with daily stress, but you have to use a quality product to get quality results. Charlotte's Web hemp extracts are tested 20 plus times from seed to final product. 
And unlike many companies, Charlotte's Web has their own proprietary hemp genetics. So the end products are consistent, meaning you know what to expect from each product. And they're a mission-driven B Corp, which means they're doing their part to positively impact their employees, communities, and the environment. That's right. Go to charlottesweb.com to get started with the OG CBD brand who kicked off this whole CBD craze and use code CRIMESALAD at checkout to save 15% on your order. This code works on all Charlotte's Web CBD products besides bulk bundles. That's CRIMESALAD at charlottesweb.com. Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown. The postseason and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information, up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series and through the World Series. Don't forget, Bet Online is where you have the latest game odds, present totals for the NFL and college football, plus real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. Serious up betting on football. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Another coworker who was leaving the building only a little while after, around 5.45 p.m., shared that he saw Danny in the driver's seat of her Jeep about to leave the MetLife parking lot. Sitting in the passenger seat was Floyd Galloway. He watched as Danny waited for traffic to clear before she drove them onto the main road and out of sight. Detective Ryan Malloy at the Farmington Hills Police Department was on duty when Danny's co-workers called in that they had seen Floyd with Danny on the night she disappeared. To investigate their claims, Detective Malloy went to Galloway's home in Berkeley, Michigan. Floyd's wife Eileen was still in the hospital getting treatment for her cancer, and Floyd himself wasn't home, so Malloy decided to check to see if he was at his job in Rochester Hills. There he saw the same gray Buick parked that the co-workers had reported seeing the night of the second. Detective Malloy found Floyd at his post, and when he showed him a picture of Danielle and asked if he had seen her, Floyd claimed the last time he saw her was many months ago, and he was at his new job the night before when Danielle went missing. Malloy reported that during their conversation, Floyd wouldn't look anyone in the eye and was staring off at the wall when they were talking. Floyd's hands were shaking, and to Malloy, his behavior was kind of standoffish. With witness accounts placing him with Danny on the second, and his strange behavior when being questioned, the police quickly obtained a search warrant to look for any signs of Danielle in his home. There, investigators found a section of carpet had been replaced, and there were scraps of carpet in the trash. The carpet pieces tested positive for biological proteins, but it wasn't yet clear if that blood was Danielle Stislicki's. Chemicals that could detect blood that couldn't be seen with the naked eye were used and showed blood in the house as well as on a pair of his dress pants and a suit jacket which were in a pile of clothes on the floor. They also found that a comforter on the bed was new having been purchased two days after Danny disappeared at Bed Bath & Beyond, according to his credit card records. With the beginning of a lead, police began to then retrace Floyd Galloway's steps the night that Danny was last seen. They were able to gather footage of Floyd entering a Tim Hortons located within walking distance from Danny's apartment at around 8.40 p.m. on December 2nd. According to the surveillance tape, he paid in cash for an iced coffee 
and was handed the store's landline phone. He pulled a yellow piece of paper out from his pocket. He dialed a number, hung up, and sat down. Around 20 minutes later, he got up and left the restaurant. He got into a cab where he was taken to an apartment complex, directly across the street from the MetLife building in Southfield. The cab driver was later questioned and shared that she had chatted a bit with Floyd during the drive. He said that his car wasn't working and that he was going to visit his girlfriend who lived at the complex. But surveillance footage showed that once Floyd got out of the cab, he walked up to the apartment doors and then abruptly turned around, heading back towards the MetLife building. With new evidence and a prime suspect, police began to search the area between Tim Hortons, where Floyd Galloway called the cab, and Danny's apartment. There, they found her keys and a Fitbit along the side of the road near the highway exit. But still, they couldn't find Danny herself. With no body or concrete evidence saying what happened to Danny, police began to run into trouble. They issued more search warrants and looked through Floyd's house many more times. They took his mattress, computers, his car, some floorboards, and his phone. Floyd's phone had been restored to factory settings, but some info could still be found in the cloud. One text sent to a friend in the afternoon on December 2nd said, Just left for work, emotions all over the place, chemo is starting to get to her, in reference to his wife. But we know that he had called out of work that day, so why did he tell his friend that's where he was heading? From an old phone found in Danny's apartment, police found more texts between Danny and Floyd, dating back to the fall of 2015. He was asking her questions about her apartment and whether she wanted to hang out with him. Danny said no, shutting him down. She texted him months later, asking if he knew who the secret admirer who sent her flowers was. He denied it, but given his noticeable interest in her and handwriting analysis of the note that was found with those flowers, we know it was him. With all of this evidence, it seems pretty clear that Floyd Galloway knows what happened to Danny the night of December 2nd, 2016. At the very least, he was the last one to see her alive. Police felt certain that Danny had become the victim of a brutal violent assault. But given her body hadn't been found, the Oakland County prosecutor refused to make a case. The prosecutor had a firm, no body, no trial belief, and months went by where the Sislicki family had no resolution, and Floyd Galloway was a free man. That is until June of 2017, nearly seven months after Danny was last seen, a sexual assault is reported near Pelham and Wick Road in Allen Park, Michigan. The sketch of the perpetrator made by the victim was remarkably similar to a sketch in another sexual assault case that happened in September of 2016, almost a year earlier. A 28-year-old woman had gone out for a run in Hines Park, located in Livonia, Michigan, and while running, a man came out of nowhere, attacking her. The man punched her, choked her, and attempted to rape her. Frightened for her life, the woman cried out and tried to fight back and eventually was able to get free. 
she ran for help and was able to call 911. A nurse collected DNA evidence and took photographic evidence of the victim's wounds from fighting her attacker. It was Floyd Galloway's DNA. For this crime, Floyd pleaded guilty to kidnapping, criminal sexual conduct, and assault. He was originally going to be charged with attempted murder, but through his plea was able to get a lesser sentence and would have to register as a sex offender for life. Floyd was sentenced to 16 to 35 years in prison. While in court, Floyd provided his statement. He said, on September 4th, 2016, at about 7 p.m., I was at Heinz Park in Livonia. I saw a woman jogging on a path I was walking on. As she passed me, I pulled her to the ground from behind, putting my arm around her neck. I began hitting and choking her. I did all of this in order to have sex with her. After a few minutes, I got off of her, let her go, and I ran away. I did not have sex with her. With the violent assault now officially linked to Floyd Galloway, police who were still hoping to find new leads on Danielle's disappearance began to search the Heinz Park where Floyd had previously attacked the runner to see if Danny's body might be found there. But still, nothing turned up. They questioned Floyd again, but now in prison, he refused to say anything about Danielle. By July of 2017, police announced that they believed that Danny has been murdered, saying that she was assaulted, abducted by force, and killed by violence. And by the end of September, that they had become more certain that Floyd Galloway was the primary suspect, officially labeling him as the last person to see her alive. They shared that they were able to find a match in DNA between Danny's case and the Heinz Park attempted rape. By November, Floyd Galloway was imprisoned for his attempted sexual assault, but police remained unable to find any charges against him in Danny's case. Anstis Licky publicly pleaded with him to confess and share what he knew. And Farmington Hills Police Chief Chuck Nebis shared that he was optimistic that they would find answers soon. That was nearly four years ago. Months turn into years and the second anniversary of Danny's disappearance came around. She would have been 30 years old. Anne and Richard, Danny's parents, have accepted that their daughter is no longer alive. But their younger daughters, Holly and Jillian, still hold on to hope that their big sister will come home one day. The medical examiner, in an attempt to bring closure and acknowledgement of the reality of the situation, issued a death certificate for Danielle in December of 2018. As more months passed, Michigan elected an attorney general named Dana Nessel in early 2019. And one of her first acts as an attorney general, Nessel reached out to the Farmington Hills Police Department to see what evidence they had gathered in Danny's case and to see what she could do to help the grieving family find answers. Nessel noted that Danny's case was particularly challenging because there was a murder without the victim's body, no known witnesses to the murder, the killer's attempt to conceal the crime, and an unusual number of jurisdictions where the crime occurred. Despite these challenges, the Farmington Hills Police managed to work with 28 
different law enforcement agencies ranging from local level all the way to federal and had issued 77 different search warrants over the last three years. After reviewing the information and evidence gathered, Attorney General Dana Nessel took over the case from the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office to finally file charges against Floyd Galloway for the murder of Danielle Stislicki. In September of 2019, a pretrial hearing of Floyd Galloway was conducted. 15 witnesses were called and nearly 45 different pieces of evidence were presented in order to make the case against Floyd. The prosecution suggested that Danny's murder was premeditated as Floyd had called off work the day before she went missing. Witness testimony, DNA evidence, and cell phone records all helped to build their case. Most significantly, they shared that Danny and Floyd's cell phones both pinged off of a cell phone tower near Floyd's house, placing her by his home the night she disappeared. According to the prosecution, it's believed that Galloway was waiting for Danny outside of MetLife when she got off of work. He faked car trouble and asked for a ride home. Danny, being the kind woman she was, agreed to help him out and drove him to his house in Berkeley. They believe that he then killed her in his home and drove Danny's car back to her apartment. He then walked to Tim Hortons and got a cab back to MetLife to pick up his car. A judge believed the prosecution and ruled that Floyd's trial would proceed. It was originally scheduled to start at the end of January in 2020, but it was delayed until April 2020 so that his defense team could review evidence and adequately prepare for the trial. But then as April began to come around, the trial was delayed again when Floyd changed attorneys. And then because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, it was delayed once more for a fourth time. By the end of 2020, the court had put social distancing practices into place and was able to continue trying cases. The judges ruling on the case told attorneys that there was nothing she could do until the Michigan Court of Appeals was through appraising the prosecution and defense of Floyd Galloway. This is to ensure that Floyd has a fair trial. So far, only one ruling has been made. The prosecutors cannot use evidence from Floyd's conviction for attempted sexual assault, saying that the similarities between cases aren't strong and clear enough. Now finally, in March of 2021, Floyd Galloway is finally scheduled to face a jury in October of this year. No new leads on where Danny's body is have come up since she disappeared. Though the family remains hopeful that through the trial, the location of their daughter's body will be found and they'll be able to find some closure to this long extended nightmare. By the time that the trial finally gets underway, it will have been nearly five years since this Dislicky family last saw their daughter. Anne, Richard, and Danny's sisters continue to post updates on their Facebook page named Find Danielle's Dislicky, a page that has 55,000 followers. Over the last four years, they have shared powerful stories from those who knew Danny, posted old videos and photos, and have not stopped working towards finding answers about what happened to her. Danny's case reminds us of how complex our legal system is, and that even when so many agencies work together to the best of their abilities, 
families still find themselves waiting years to find any semblance of justice. We here at Crime Salad, just like this Dislicky family, are hopeful that Floyd Galloway's trial gets underway. The truth about what happened to Danielle will come out and justice will be found. This completes this week's episode of The Disappearance of Danielle Stislicki. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Bet Online has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, Bet Online is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Bet Online has real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We're serious up betting on football. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.